Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors podcast, where you can hear about front of my topics in the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today we're going to be talking about valuable damage control. We all know there's more than one way to get a job done, and it's no different when it comes to protecting the flow of goods and materials whenever a disruption hits. So all parties, whether it's the shipper, forwarder, or the customer, have their own approach to mitigate disruptions. But what's the most productive? Today, I've got Senior Vice President of Order Management at Expeditors, Michelle Weaver, to talk about it. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. My uh, wife actually got me a telescope for Christmas, so now I can observe social distancing on a planetary scale. And let me just tell you, Venus is kind of pushing it. I was hoping maybe you could use that telescope to monitor the port of L.A. so we can see how quickly we can get the next ship in to be worked. <laughs> a little crowded over there I right can definitely, now. I'll, I'll just point it over in that direction for sure. I'll let you know. Um, so I want to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, and for the audience who may not know you, um, what's your background? How did you get into your position? And then also, what's order management? Um, my background is, is I've worked at this company for almost 28 years. It'll mm -hmm. be 28 years in April. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> and, um, I started at one of our local offices, our Seattle office. Um, and I started filing original documents in our ocean import and what it was called at the time, our inland, uh, which is now Transcon department. Mm -hmm. So um, then I just kind of worked my way through operations and um, then moved to corporate. And here I am. My background's yeah. mostly uh, ocean <laughs> yeah. um, and order management. Those are the two products that I have I have worked in over the last almost three decades. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. Hey, no, you, but like you, you've really stuck with it. That's, that's impressive. Uh, you, order management, what is that? And how does that re relate to today's topic? Uh, order management, I think, um, relates beautifully to today's topic because <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how a company could have a, a, a truly robust and resilient supply chain mm -hmm. without a very powerful order management program of some kind, whether mm -hmm. it's you're running your own or you're having a, a company like Expeditors run it for you. Um, so I think a program an order management program is absolutely essential to having a resilient supply chain. Uh, order management, uh, as we define it at Expeditors, mm -hmm. is um, it's the product where we offer a lot of origin consolidation services. So we're managing suppliers, making sure they're shipping your your POs, your, your products on time in the right quantities. We're helping build physical consolidation, ocean containers or air shipments or transcon shipments truck. We're helping you manage any exceptions to those orders, approve them, not approve them, et cetera, um, and giving the customer visibility to that process the whole way through. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty robust and powerful service. And um, like I said, I think it's one that's critical to a resilient supply chain. Yeah, it sounds like it's all about really understanding and having visibility to the, the nitty gritty details of shipments and, and everything's in order. Yeah, it's about having visibility and control over uh, the, your product that is moving, not mm -hmm. the ocean container or the air freight shipment. It is, where are my 100 widgets? Where are the door handles that I've ordered for this particular vehicle that we're assembling? Or mm -hmm. where are the servers um, that we need to have built and installed You know, in this project on the other side of the world? Sure. Um, where are the sweatshirts that need to be on the stores for back to school? 
Well, let's jump into uh, our topic then. Um, aside from what we've seen in 2020, what are what other examples of disruptions are out there that people may not be aware has affected them uh, from a trade perspective? Well, there is. We always call it our our you know disruption of the year because there is a major <laughs> one every single year, um, whether it be a labor slowdown or a labor strike with um, you know ports or. Mm-hmm. Um, carriers, whether it be a a natural disaster, a tsunami or an earthquake or a a hurricane, or um, whether it be a financial situation or one of the steamship lines uh, or air carriers going bankrupt. And when that happens, capacity is immediately removed from the market. Available capacity for people to ship cargo on is immediately moved from, from the market. There's always something. Mm-hmm. Every year there's something. 2020 happened to be a global pandemic. Um, we haven't seen a, a disruption. I think it it that's an underuse or an overuse of the word disruption. <laughs> or <laughs> unprecedented, was, an yeah, unprecedented yeah. disruption. <laughs> the pandemic was a little larger than a disruption, but um, <laughs> but um, it, it certainly obviously impacted the supply chains for everyone. I think it was 2016 when uh-huh. Hanj steamship line went bankrupt. Yeah. They were one of the biggest steamship lines in the world. They were a, a formidable organization and it was quite sad when they when they went bankrupt. And mm. um, not only the fact that they went bankrupt, but the timing of their bankruptcy. It was the last day of August, which mm. is right in the middle of peak season when um, importers, uh, specifically in the US, are mm. importing cargo in time for the holiday season. Mm. So people can do all their Christmas shopping. So you need the Christmas and the the holiday goods coming in in late summer, early fall. So they have time to clear customs and get distributed and be out in store shelves and ready to go. So um, that would have been a year that people might have noticed that they didn't have everything that they wanted to be able to buy on the shelves. Because when Hanjin went bankrupt, all of their ships were immediately um, arrested meaning they they were taken out of rotation. Sure, right. So that capacity was immediately withdrawn from the marketplace. And all the goods that were already on those ships were now tied up. So a lot of those Christmas and holiday goods were in containers on those vessels that then could not be offloaded and distributed to the end destination because they were tied up in bankruptcy proceedings. Jeez. So, um so that's one way you'd feel it. <laughs> a sad <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, it'd be a sad, a sad Christmas or a sad Hanukkah. <laughs> um, so. What have organizations been able to learn from these uh, major disruptions uh, from the past? As we're as we're going on and evolving our business and, and growing uh, and such, how, how, how have organizations learned from these? There's no preventing it. There's only learning to navigate it. So, so some of the ways that um, we see the more successful customers really have the ability to navigate those disruptions mm-hmm. is they have to have really full um, mastery over the way that their organization opens orders, manages those orders. And I'm using the word order, but it could be a PO, a sales order, a shipping order. There's lots mm-hmm. of different terminology for them. But that's what I mean by when I'm talking about orders. When you open a PO against a supplier uh, or you open a sales order because a customer has opened a PO against you and you're the exporter and you need to now produce that product and export it to them. And there are some real key hallmarks 
I think, of organizations that do that well. Mm -hmm. And the first is, of course, like I said, to have mastery over your order process. And what I mean by that is have as much data on those orders as you can possibly get. Have volumes, meaning shipment volumes. So you've got your quantity of widgets that your customer has bought from you or that you are buying from that vendor. But you also need to know how much, how big are those widgets? How much space do they take up? How much do they weigh? How are you going to ship them? Do, are you going to ship them in an ocean container? If so, how many containers are you going to need or how much of a container are you going to need to ship that order? Mm-hmm. To, to ship those widgets. Um, are, is it going to go air freighter, ocean freighter, truck? Um, what are the dates? What is your requested ship date? What are requested delivery dates? What are requested ex factory dates? Manage those dates and have mastery over those dates. Meaning, um, you know, we'll see companies that open orders and they'll ask their vendors, please ship this. You know, your latest ship date is July 1st. Sure. But really, they never hold the vendor accountable to that date and they just let it slide, slip and slide so they can, it could ship early, it could ship late, whatever. Um, and people down the line may not be able to prepare for an early shipment or later shipment. You know, that's they, exactly those right. organizations still need to run on their own timelines as well. That's exactly right. So you, you really need mastery over that process. Is every vendor going to ship every order on time every single time? Of course not. There are sure. always going to be exceptions, but you need to have a methodology and a process for managing those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then keep them as accurate as you possibly can and keep them up to date. And really the way that I see organizations or companies be able to be successful in doing that is by having a um, by working across teams or across silos within their own organization. The logistics team can't can't do that all by themselves. They've got to work with their sourcing or their planning or their buying teams. Finance needs to be involved. Compliance needs to be involved. Logistics needs to be involved. And as it, you know, those silos are different segments of your company. Um, however you slice and dice them or split them up or align them or what have you, those are really the functions within your organizations that need to work as a solid aligned mm-hmm. unit um, when you are running a resilient supply chain sure. so that if the, you know, the, the purchasing team has a relationship with the vendors when you're talking about importers, right. And the vendor might need extra time or they might, they might need to make some sort of change and, and you need to, maybe you need to accommodate that, but you need to be working in lockstep with your logistics team, your compliance team and your finance team to make sure that all happens. And then that information needs to be shared with whoever is managing your order management program for you. So you can, they can um, make those accommodations successfully. Sure. So if, for example, if you've just opened a PO, uh, if you've just changed a PO that you need, it's going to be 10 containers worth of product and you've just let it, uh, agreed with the supplier to let it slip a month, you need to be telling your ocean carriers, <laughs> yeah. hey, by hey, the way, <laughs> I don't need those 10 this month, I need them next month. Yeah. You use the word mastery and that sounds, mm. it sounds like a harder goal to achieve. Is it that hard to, to have mastery over your supply chain or to over your, uh, the alignment of your organization? I think, you know, every company is different. Sure, obviously. Of course, every right. customer we work with is different and they all operate different ways within their own different company cultures. I don't think having mastery over your order program is terribly complicated. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of resolve, 
a lot of negotiating. <laughs> I mean, it's, if you think about the different entities within a customer's organization, the buying and sourcing and planning teams have a very specific mission, mm-hmm. as do the logistics teams, as do the finance teams, as do the compliance teams. And sometimes those missions can be in conflict with each other. Sure. Right. So getting them all aligned and and if they're all making decisions or taking actions independently of each other, um, that's when that's when a customer will really, I think, struggle mm-hmm. when they're trying to navigate, you know, and then you throw in some crazy market disruption that nobody has any control over. <laughs> sure. And you're like, what do you mean it's going to take three weeks before the ship can actually berth in LA to unload? My product is sitting there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what, what do you mean they're going to slide by the port of LA and just go on to Oakland? Um, you need to have a program that's agile enough to navigate around those things and say, great, we're going to start redirecting product away from LA and we're going to go through Houston instead or go through Oakland or Seattle. And um, to be able to do that quickly mm-hmm. and uh, resolutely, I think, takes absolute lockstep internal alignment within a customer's organization. Sure. When an organization finds itself in that damage control mode or or even trying to enter a, a period of getting ahead of potential disruptions, I mean, they all need to act very swiftly, you know, especially mm-hmm. when it's happening right uh, right at that moment. They need to act swiftly. What tangles can happen to slow down success or, or to really put put organizations in a in a really tricky, problematic situation? So let's assume that customer has fairly good mastery over their order program mm-hmm. and processes internally. They also need to make sure they're working with the right partner, uh, whether the, that partner is, and I'm partners, I should say, sure. you know, an order management type partner, as well as the right carriers. Um, those partners need to have the right technology, you know, systems. They need to have absolutely the right global coverage and global network. Uh, they need to have the right people. Um, and these are, because if you go, if you move too fast and you're not with the right partners, you can have, there are risks, you know, sure. one of probably not the, the most exciting risk, but certainly one of the most dangerous would be the compliance risk. Mm-hmm. Are you working with partners that have a very, um, extremely high level of compliance, a very robust compliance program that are going to keep you safe. Sure. They're going to help, you know, support your company's compliance program. I can imagine uh, trying to take shortcuts and stuff to, you know, to make things happen or to provide results will can like that, like not adhering to or having strong compliance can really put you in a very difficult situation. Yeah. Compliance and chaos are not good partners. They just, <laughs> they're just not good partners. So when you have chaos, yes, <laughs> uh, you need to make sure that your compliance program is extremely robust mm. and that you are working with the right partners to ensure that you always maintain the highest level of compliance at all times. Absolutely. Um, Cause chaos likes to work against that a little <laughs> <Yeah>. bit. <laughs> so, um, but that's where things can get tangled. You know, mm-hmm. are your lines of communication set up properly? Do you have your business continuity planning in place? Um, is it documented? Does everybody know exactly whom they need to speak with or, or communicate with, how they need to communicate with them, by when, what's expected of everyone? Have you actually tested all of those connections mm. and tested those uh, backup plans? So if I think back to um, the big cyber attack that happened, I think it was in 2017, that mm-hmm. hit yeah. a couple of the big players in the yeah, market. Yeah. 
And suddenly the whole market had to redirect their freight away from those suppliers while they tried to get their systems back up and running. So Mm -hmm. that's part of the planning. You want to make sure that if you need to plug in backup carriers or switch providers or redirect flows to different ports or different origins or what have you, that you have tested all those connections and they're live and they work. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like taking control of the situation may not always be the most productive. Um, How can they influence their outcomes uh, in a more constructive way, more productive way? How can they be less reactive? You know, I think when these disruptions happen, um, and just, you know, to be fair, 2020, it was uh, <laughs> that, you know, that disruption, if you will, the, the sure. pandemic, it was global. It was, it was happening everywhere at the same time. Mm-hmm. Normally, uh, the, the normal disruptions that we <laughs> see, ha- you know, really only impact maybe a particular geography or mm-hmm. a particular subset of a geography, right? So, or a, or a carrier, it's a slice of the industry as opposed to the entire Thing. So I think, you know, when one of those dis- type of disruptions react, the, the very human, the very natural, the very first reaction is on behalf of everybody's part, customers, providers like expediters, carriers, whatever is, I need better visibility to exactly what's going on at the ground level in real time. Tell mm-hmm. me exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, that is, you know, that level of visibility, that level, that feeling people are looking for a feeling of control and a feeling of understanding. Like I see what's going on. I understand what's going on and now I can control what's going on. Sure. And unfortunately it doesn't always work that way. So, um, so if I, if I think back to well, like what's going on right now yeah. with just, uh, ocean freight being at max capacity, uh, every ship is full. There's 34 vessels at anchor in LA right now waiting to berth. Mm-hmm. Um, air freight capacity, you know, air, uh, planes are full, but the capacity levels is still low because uh, people aren't traveling. Um, customers are asking for real time, step by step visibility to everything that's happening at Origin in terms of trying to make bookings with carriers. And the customer needs to be able to work with their carrier partners. Um, to ensure that they're getting the space that they contracted to get so that they deserve, they're owed. Um, but the other part of that is uh, the origins are fighting so hard for space mm. for everyone right now that to stop and provide that level of detail um, that some are, are asking for is is difficult at best and and usually impossible to provide. It's really this is a gray area where it's it's a matter of influence versus control. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, the carriers are the ones who control who they give the space to, and if oh, and when sure. they load the cargo. Right, right, right. It's the customer can influence. The customer can't control it. Um, expediters can influence it, but mm-hmm. we can't control it. Sure, it's really the carrier that makes that choice. And so I think the important thing to keep in mind during these times of great disruption is more visibility or visibility is absolutely paramount, but let's keep in mind what's, what's really happening um, and what steps we can do to, we can take to help it as opposed to make it even harder. I think one of the 
key hallmarks of very resilient supply chain is having enough time built in to be able to react early in the process to give mm. yourself choices. And I'm not necessarily suggesting you extend your lead times. That's not mm. what I'm saying. I'm saying with that mastery of your order program and having those disciplines and that data available to you, you've got this organized, well-oiled machine of a program. You see a disruption coming and so rather than, uh, you know, let's say you're, you're forecasting out your, your capacity needs to your carriers six, eight weeks in advance, you see the storm coming instead of everybody running around the week of booking with their hair on fire, trying to find <laughs> space, you can see it coming six weeks out and go, right. okay, we need to make some different decisions. Let's start six weeks out. You're starting to figure out how to reallocate your cargo, whether it's with to different carriers, to different ports, you know, however it is that you need to reallocate. And you're doing that in a very thoughtful, um, calm, <laughs> organized <laughs> manner sure. yeah. with your partners. Mm -hmm. You're talking to your carriers, you're talking to your order management provider, you're talking to your suppliers at origin. You're talking to your DCs or your warehouses and you're making a plan because you have the time to react and to put those, to consider those plans and put them in action before, like I said, everyone's running around with their hair on fire at the time of booking and no one can find space. Yeah, it's not so a good look. Absolutely. It's not a good look and it's not a lot of fun <laughs> for anyone involved. So it really is a key hallmark of a resilient supply chain. And I think um, those organizations that, that have that mastery over their program and are disciplined in that way mm -hmm. have great success because they give themselves that, that extra time to react earlier. As customers are seeking that visibility that you were talking about, they're going to be looking for software. And there's a lot of solutions out there. We offer our own, you know, uh, Expeditors does. Does that help make a, an organization more self-sufficient when they have a, a, a software solution that can then provide them that visibility? Are they are they better off without interaction with other organizations for service? So software absolutely is paramount to the success of any process. It's really going to facilitate the process of visibility, of management, of of control, quite honestly, in a of lot course. of cases. Um and you have to have the right technology to support your program. But technology or software in and of itself isn't the this only answer. It can't operate solo. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have the service that goes with it, that managed service. So software can tell you where your freight's sitting, but mm -hmm. it can't necessarily get you a, your shipper a late gate or um, help you navigate what's going on at the terminal um, or with equipment or find a backup carrier. It's, it's the combination of the, the people that service the account and the technology they're using that's going to give you the, the most powerful solution. Mm. So technology, you know, software by itself, it's just software. Yeah. Um, software with the right with the right service behind it is incredibly powerful because it's information paired with action at that point, right? You can have all yeah. the information that you want, but if you can't do anything with it, you can't make any moves based off of it, then you're just, you just have numbers at that point. Right. Um, Thinking about uh, smaller companies then who may not have um, as much visibility or any data to, to give themselves visibility, how can they go about building a successful program for themselves? 
I think for those those smaller companies or organizations that are just getting started with importing or exporting, they might be really big companies and mm-hmm. they just haven't ever um, moved into the international arena before. Sure, um, it, it's it's important to find the right partner um, that you can grow with that can scale with you and meet your needs. Mm. So um, I think you know you've got to find one that can jump continents with you that can be at all the right places (laughs) that has a big global footprint Mm -hmm. as you source different places and sell different places. Um, You need one with robust um, compliance infrastructure to help you make sure to keep your company safe and make sure that you are following all the applicable laws or supporting you and following all the applicable laws and regulations that you may know nothing about, especially as you move into new origins or destinations. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you need to find one that has uh, the right technology and and incredible customer service to support you as you grow and help you really meet your needs. I think it's important to find a a partner that can, that can scale with your growth at the pace and the, the size that you are planning for. Sure, sure. Uh, in contrast to that, then for the uh, for those who may not, and, and this can speak to the past too, but if, a, if an organization hasn't found itself, you know, in as much hot water or having as many issues, and they're feeling pretty confident with how they're operating, how else can they improve? Where, could, where else could they look to within themselves to improve? I think it's really important to plan for that growth. You know, what's your three-year plan? What's your five-year plan? What's your mm-hmm. 10-year plan? Where do you want to see your program grow? And share those plans with your providers, Yeah. right? I mean, I, I know from my perspective, if if we know what our customer, what they want to be doing and where they want to be in five years, we're a lot more valuable to them and we're able to provide them with a lot more support in getting there because we know where it is that they want to go and what they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. So I would say, don't be shy in sharing those plans, you know, within the bounds of confidentiality, of course. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't be shy about sharing those plans yeah. with your partners because uh, that's how you're going to get there. That's how you're going to be able to get there faster. Gotcha. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if folks wanted to get in touch with you or reach out to you, uh, where can they find you? They can find me at michelle.weaver at expeditors.com. <laughs> Perfect. I'll have that information <laughs> in the show notes. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for talking about this. This is fascinating stuff. Uh, really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expeditors, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expeditors.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.